what I'm going to do is I'm, um, I'm actually going to re- repeat what I just said for the sake of podcast. Um, I'm going to be speaking English, of course, but in my English language, I'm going to unveil for you the parables that are hidden everywhere. Everything in the earth is talking, the Bible says, according to Romans and chapter 1. And in Habakkuk chapter 2, it says, In the last days, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall be revealed as the waters cover the sea. So what does it mean as the waters cover the sea? Well, is there any part of the ocean not wet? No. So that means literally there's nothing that, that exists that is not revealing some type of glory. So what does the word glory mean? Um, I thought at one time that glory meant like God's awesomeness, God's spectacular, supernatural abilities, which it does encompass that. But glory is from the word, our American word, or English word is glow. It's the same word as to glow. It means to shine a light on something so that you could see it. I used to think that magnify God just meant like to worship God. Well, if you were magnifying an atom, that doesn't mean you're worshiping it. If you magnify an atom, why do you magnify it? So you can see it. See? So to magnify God is so you can see God. To glorify God or the glory of God basically means to be able to see. Well, I can see Angela. Yeah, but not everything. I mean, can you see God's omnipotence? Can you see His omnipresence? Can you see Him in everything? And at one time, I couldn't see God in everything. I'm thinking, how am I going to see God, especially in so-and-so over there? I was a little guy in that person. You know, or when I'm all full of revenge or whatever, I'm like, oh, Jesus, I just see the devil. I don't see God in this right now. So I didn't, I didn't have an understanding of what omnipotence and omnipresence was even about because I saw God in good things and I and I saw the devil in other things and God began to show me in 1985 that he's omnipresent he said and I'm going to show you how to see me in all things well that's what Habakkuk 2 is talking about it's talking about in the last days the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall be revealed as the waters cover the sea See, the, the glory's been here all along. Because in Romans 1, it says that God, everything God created reveals the unseen God, including the eternal Godhead and power. That means we should be able to see God's power, and that word see means comprehend it, understand it. I've had people say, well, Angela, you can't understand the Godhead. You can't understand God. I'm like, well, go tear chapter 1 of Romans out your Bible. Throw it away. Because it says it's clearly seen and we're without excuse. So I began to wonder, well, then if it's clearly seen and it's everywhere, why can't we see it? Like, God, where is your omnipotent power that I'm supposed to understand? Like I understand 2 plus 2 is 4, right? If you understand something, you can pull it apart and use that information to get more information. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will reveal all truth unto us. How much is all? All, right? Not some. Well, I was told, well, Angel, you can't understand everything. 
okay, well, you believe whatever you believe, but I'm going to believe the whole thing. And the whole thing says that God will reveal all truth. And I'm not going to let go of that promise. If I don't understand something, I am going to ask and look and seek and knock until I get at least a little bite of it. Because sometimes I don't understand, or well, all times, I don't understand the fullness of something. You understand it a little bit at a time. Like when you first found out where babies came from, did you understand all of that? No. And your parents aren't going to teach you the fullness of it when you're seven and where babies come from. I told my son that God gave his daddy a seed. Daddy put it in my tummy. And he grew and he came out my tummy. Now what he heard was God put an orange seed in daddy's hand and daddy used his two fingers and dropped that orange seed in my belly button and the doctor took him out of my belly button. Now I never said that. But that's what his little mind was able to comprehend. Now if I would have told him otherwise, I would have molested his little heart and mind. He was too little to understand the fullness of where babies come from. Now, as he grew and he started hearing stuff at school and seeing stuff at school and people talking and bathroom talk or whatever, he came home and had some more questions. Mom, remember when you said, I, when I get big, you're going to tell me some more stuff about that adult stuff? I was like, yeah, what adult stuff are we talking about? Like, I want to make sure I was on the right topic instead of be freaking out first, you know? So he, well, you know, like... How did daddy put that seed in your tummy? I'm like, well, let's have a talk. So he got more of the same truth. Now, I never lied to him. But see how his understanding wasn't exactly accurate, even though God really did give daddy the seed? I just didn't tell him where daddy kept them. <laughs> or how God gave it to him. And how he utilized that to put it in my tummy. Didn't, you wouldn't go there. Well, it's sort of like that with the Word of God. That when you hear revelatory truth, at first it's a very elementary understanding of God's Word. But Paul talked about mysteries being unveiled. He said, I pray that all these mysteries would be unveiled to you or would be revealed to you. And then he talks about the mystery of the husband and the wife revealing the mystery of Christ and his bride. Now, when God first started talking to me about that, I was like, that is creepy. I don't want to compare me and Jesus to me and my husband. Because what are one of the main reasons you get married for? Is to have babies and to copulate. Obviously, they're going to be your partner and, and work and, you know, building a home and all that kind of stuff. But you could do that with a brother or sister or friend. But marriage indicates in and of itself copulation. In the Old Testament and in the New, if you didn't copulate, it wasn't a marriage. Copulate? That means the couple coming together and okay, having intercourse. Her. Yeah. Procreate. Yeah. So basically, when, when, whenever you make love, if it's a blood covenant. And if they didn't, if the woman, did, if they didn't send out bloody sheets, it wasn't a marriage. It was not, I don't care if you had a ring and you danced and said all the vows, if, they didn't, if you didn't have bloody sheets, it was, it was null. There was no marriage. So that's what Paul's comparing our relationship to God is like a husband and wife. And so I'm thinking, la, 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 I don't want to hear that. 
No, that's too creepy to me. I'm not comparing myself. And when I do something with my husband, I want Jesus to step out the room and not look and not know about it and have that forgetful moment. You know, he forgets our sin. Well, can he just forget that part too? So it took me years to get up enough courage to say, okay, God, give me part two of relationship. Because I knew Jesus as my Savior, um, which I could now liken under fire insurance. Like I just didn't want to go to hell. And that's why I wanted Jesus to save me from hell. Well, then that grew to, God, I really want to serve you. I don't want you to just be my Savior. I want you to be my Lord because I keep messing things up in my life and I keep thinking I want this and then I do this and then I mess things up and I don't really know what I'm doing. So if you will be Emmanuel, I need a manual because we didn't come with one. Right? I wanted him to be Lord. Well, then as time passed, I wanted intimacy with God. Do you know why I wanted intimacy with God so bad? Because I figured out that what me and my husband had was not nearly as intimate as I wanted it to be. As satisfying as that relationship is, it still was missing something. Because it didn't matter how much I tried to tell my husband about my emotions, he would say things like, well, I'm just not an emotional kind of guy. I said, Michael, to a woman, that is the most important thing about her, is her emotion, her heart. I said, how would you like it if I told you Ooh, that sex thing, I'm just not a sexual kind of being. I said, I don't think we would last, do you? He said, no, I don't think so. I said, exactly. But as important as that part of our relationship is to you, that's how important my heart is to me in our relationship. Because let me tell you something, if I have that, the physical, without the heartfelt affection and emotion, I'm going to feel like I need a bath. I'm going to feel dirty. And I can get that anywhere. I can get paid to do that. That's not what a woman's looking for. So that relationship between husband and wife kept pushing me to God looking for answers of how to have this in my marriage that I wanted with my husband. And God began to show me, Angela, you can't have that with another human being if you can't have that intimate relationship with me. And I was like, uh... What are we talking about again? Like, I'm talking about the heart. And God's going, yeah, me too. But see, I, I can't separate as a human my lovemaking from my heart. So when I would have that conversation about my heart with Jesus being the lover of my soul, it would creep me out. Because I couldn't, Jesus is not flesh. But I couldn't separate those two thoughts. Well, I was sort of like my son when I did tell him where babies came from and how God gave Daddy the seed and how it got there. He was like, eh. You know, like Jimmy Fallon, eh. Right? And he said to me, Mama, are you and Daddy going to have any more babies? And I said, no, sweetie, we're not. And I told him why. And uh, I had palsy when I delivered Rebecca and it wasn't a good, uh, the pregnancies were very difficult. And I explained to him why we weren't going to have any more babies. And he said, good, then you and Daddy don't ever have to do that again. Right? So why, what is my point? That creeped him out when he was immature and didn't understand the fullness of what that's about. Likewise, when God was talking to me about intimacy in the heart and I couldn't separate the two in my mind, that creeped me out too. 
But as I matured, I began to understand that God was talking to me in a totally different language. He was not talking to me in the language that I understood. He was introducing me into a spiritual language that the earth was created to unveil. It's like symbolism. It's like acronyms. You know, you ever go to work, a new job, and they have a dictionary of acronyms? And, and all these acronyms, I got a good story about a good friend of mine. I'll interject it here because it's funny. She went to work for um, a, a catastrophe company. And I mean, my goodness, the acronyms were literally a booklet of acronyms. So she's just writing all the acronyms down, trying to remember them and can't. She doesn't ask a single question about any of the insurance acronyms. So the man, the, the, the guy teaching the class, he said, just remember this, CYA. And so she raises her hand. And she says, excuse me, what does CYA mean? I'm thinking of all acronyms to ask. She's going to ask that one. All the rest of them had to do with insurance. And the one that cover your you-know-what is the one she decides to raise her hand on. So God's creation is like a whole bunch of acronyms. And, and lovemaking and the marriage is one of them. And so that's how I really began searching the heart issues and I discovered a lot of information that I had no clue that I was going to discover.